It's about the tools we use. It's about the stories we tell. It's about how we change. It's evolution, baby. All right, and welcome back to another episode of Do the Evolution. I'm excited once again to be joined by my man, Michael Porcelli. And we're going to be talking about something very specific today and something very practical. Again, we did an episode, um, I guess, a couple weeks or months ago about restoring relational integrity. And this is a, in a similar space to that, to some extent. Um, but it has to do with clearing the air, which um, Michael, in some writing he's done, talked about as one of the elements of good relational hygiene. And why I'm bringing this on here is, you know, in my world, in, in the world I'm doing and creating <laughs> and passionate about, relationships are kind of where um, it all really happens when it comes to our personal evolution and how we change in the world, in my experience. It's one of the greatest tools we have for, I think I've done all this work, I think I've made all these changes, and I would argue it's in relationships we really see the result of that. And being able to be in healthy relationships, create thriving relationships, and keep them evolving themselves, I think relies on on this skill set specifically we're going to explore today. And in general, you know, um, as we've talked about in this podcast before, you know, we're living in a pretty wild time with social media and divisiveness and a lot of a lot of um, relationships to some extent based on conflict these days as, 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 you know, social media is kind of apt to do. And so there's more and more potential, I think, to practice some of what we're talking about today to clear the area around some things and have some good structures for how to do that. And then in addition to that, um, you know, the other major thing I care about that uh, I've talked about before is I lead men's groups. I lead men's work. And I definitely coach men on dating and relationships. And this skill of being able to go in and address resentments, tensions in the relationship, withholds is so crucially important to what I would call good leadership in relationship right now. And something that while obviously there's examples on both sides, every time that a man I've worked with has stepped into this space in relationship. <laughs> I, I joke not. Oftentimes the feedback they get from their feminine partners is, wow, I've always had to be the one to lead those conversations. Thank you for creating this space and opening this up. Um, so I just think this is really practical in terms of uh, being a good masculine leader for those of you following me around that, and just in terms of our personal evolution of, you know, uh, as complex thinkers that um, you know most of my listeners believe in some kind of evolution, this is going to be one of the mechanisms. I really think it happens on where sometimes tensions can come into contact, and then something new gets created on the other side. Some some type of um, connection or closeness or new possibility. And so with that, um, 
tell us a little bit about this process, Michael. Yep. Thanks, man. It's good to be here again. Uh, I just want to start off by just talking about like why you might want to do it, like how you might notice that you want to do it, and maybe how you, the listener, and maybe you and me, Jason, like relate to it, or maybe how we related to it in the past. It's like many of the communication skills and processes that I advocate and teach and train people in. I really think that there's a way that it's like um, advanced common sense. Like there's almost like this thing, <laughs> David Allen calls it blinding flash of the obvious, right? In the personal growth <laughs> world, oftentimes it just sounds like shit that everybody already knows, but usually is easier said than done, right? Like everybody kind of knows some version of like, oh yeah, this person who I see day in and day out in my house or in my workplace Sometimes something just gets to the point where we got to talk about it. We got to address the elephant in the room or we got to clear the air about something that happened or whatever it is. And like at least get into a conversation about it so that we might learn from it, grow from it, make a new agreement about it, or just simply feel relieved that we're just on the same page about it. It's hard to actually know there's actually many branching points that come out. Once you start clearing the air, there's many other kinds of processes you might want to do afterwards, but we're going to focus just on this feeling of it's me, it's my colleague, it's me, it's my girlfriend, it's me, it's a friend. There's a thing. And I'm now I'm starting to think about maybe bringing it up. But before we kind of get into when you, what happens when you bring it up, it's like people I think are have different internal settings in terms of when to bring it up or who to bother bringing it up with. You know what I mean? Some people really, really sort of don't like doing it like ever avoid it at all, if at all possible. Right. Or at least just pick your battles. Very, 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 very choosy. And like only when it's a really, really big deal. And like, I'm going to be nice most of the time and I'm just going to find my way to work around it. You know, that's sort of like the one end of the spectrum. And then maybe the other end of the spectrum is people who are just like, keep it real. I'm just going to like say what I think. I'm going to be like brutally honest. I'm just going to bring it like all the time. And it's like, hey, maybe the way that you're bringing it or the frequency with which you're bringing it is maybe a little bit overbearing or in itself causing a certain other type of damage to your relationship. And then there's sort of everywhere in between. And I'm kind of curious about your thoughts, Jason, before we get into how, like maybe talk a little bit like why in your experience for yourself or what you've heard people say, they maybe don't do it or do choose to do it? Yeah, I would say, um, you know, particularly in the men's work I do, in the coaching I do with a lot of men, there is a fear of conflict, right? That conflict might mean the end mm -hmm. of something. So there's a fear, oh, if I really spoke my truth, I would get rejected or it'd be the end of the relationship. Uh, I see that very, very common. Um, I definitely think typology is part of it. <laughs> as, as you were saying, you know, as an Enneagram nine, I'm a little more conflict avoidant a lot of times and uh, certain types of people I think just are based on um, some of their experience in the world too, you know, family of origin, stuff in your nervous system, previous traumas of what conflict, you know, could look like. So an unwillingness or a fear of recreating that, I think I sometimes see. Um, and then 
I think sometimes there's just also uh, not knowing how, right? Like just not actually knowing mm-hmm. how, like particularly I think related to, you know, family of origin, like a lot of times just a, you know, myself and other people I know raise seeing arguments, but that weren't ultimately connecting or um, conducive to repair. And then, um, so like, what's the point kind of thing of like, uh, no one's ever shown me how to do that. Why would I do that? Why would I need to do that? I I see that a lot. And like if if you do it, it's going to be worse. That type of thing. It could make things worse. Won't make things better. And just like a, you know, again, I'm mostly going to be speaking to the experience of men I know and myself, uh, the labor of it, like it's actual labor, right? Oftentimes, like it, it takes some energy to go in there and do that versus just kind of ignoring it and moving on, which then tends to add up in the long mm-hmm. run, you know, and cause other problems. Uh, but those are some of the reasons I would I would see, you know, people not doing it. Um, reasons to do it would be just health and well-being, yeah, like just hands down. You know, sure. This is the kind of thing, um, you know, when I talk, uh, do a lot of work with guys around somatics and just, you know, our experience of well-being in our bodies in the moment. And, you know, one thing I've found when it comes to like being, being able to be more present in my own experience or with another person is that's a lot easier to do when there's not like a backlog of tensions, right? When there's like, when some of that's, when the air is cleared, so to speak, it's actually much easier in my experience to just drop in and be with someone in this moment without all those other moments that are unresolved kind of encroaching. Mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah. I mean, you're speaking to kind of like the, the positive kind of almost like the, the person who kind of gets the value of like doing clearing conversations. Like is another way of talking about clearing the air. Oh yeah. Health and well-being in my relationship. Of course. Yeah. Sometimes people who haven't been exposed to this or have been to the other side of it, they choose to do it simply because they feel like they have to, right? It's just kind of like, mm-hmm. I've been working real hard to be nice here. Like really trying to make this work. And it's just, it's just so painful that whatever pain is going to happen for me, like just, you know, putting my cards on the table and talking to the elephant in the room, whatever, if it blows up and I lose it, doesn't matter. It's just kind of like it. Now it is worth it, right? It's sort of like whatever the, the disharmony or the incongruence or the conflict or the tension that has built up to such a size that like just Dealing with it at all is just feels so shitty. You're just like, whatever, I have to, I'm going to do it anyway. Right. There's and, no and other like, choice. There's no other choice. Like, I mean, especially if it's, if it's like a person's like kind of stuck with this person. Okay. We have to do it, man. Like <laughs> just rip the bandaid off. It's not going to feel so good, but you know, you're my spouse and we have a kid together and we live under the same roof and we, you know, we're going to either just be miserable one way or maybe miserable another way, but it'll feel better afterwards. Hopefully. Right. So people feel sort of compelled to do it, you know, that feels totally, it kind of hits a breaking point or a boiling point where there's not really anywhere else to go. Um, 
and you just got to go in. <laughs> you got to go in, got to deal with it um, or risk, you know, things dissolving or fully just not working anymore in that relationship. You know, I think sometimes um, experiences, you know, clients of mine have had in the past of it gets to that boiling, boiling point. They don't have the resources. So the only option is to end like disconnect. It's over. Right. Like I don't have right. the skill set mm-hmm. to get in there and express this in a way that's not going to make it worse or that is going to create, create more connection. Right. Yep. Yeah. And what I think is interesting, just having been kind of trying out all kinds of different approaches to this and observing them and coaching people through them and just sort of recognizing people have different starting points. Like we can kind of all, well, I'm imagining the listeners are kind of like, yeah, I'm sort of more like this personality type. Oh yeah. I have experienced the thing where I boiled over or maybe I ghosted and just ditched out because it was, I didn't want to bother. And people are kind of placing maybe different situations that they know of from their own history into this description. And it is, ends up being very unique, idiosyncratic to individuals and their relationships where like, well, where is that boiling point? It's kind of different from person to person, but it's not just from person to person. It's also relationship to relationship, right? It's kind of like, yeah, yeah, this one, I'm going to have to do it eventually. So maybe I'll learn the lesson and like pull the bandaid off sooner, right? Because we live under the same roof, right? And maybe with other ones, you're kind of like, yeah, that person they're the kind of person I might ghost and wherever that ghosting threshold is, right? Okay. This is a person who I might like try real hard being nice for a real long time and maybe just sort of tolerate it forever right? or for years at a time. And I think there's different set points that people have and wherever you are in this and considering when and how you've done it and when it's worked and when it's not, and when you've chosen to, when you choose not to, and how you even make those decisions. My hope is that, kind of understanding this approach that I recommend, which I think is the best one out there, you will feel more confidence. You'll feel encouraged to perhaps like tweak your settings a little bit more leaning in towards doing it with more people or doing it more um, frequently or doing it earlier on because you'll feel empowered by this um, approach that we're about to describe, and and the, and that my promise, my is is that it will it will make it better, right? Like if if yeah. you tilt your dials in that way, it's not going to suddenly be like everybody all the time share everything. It's not it's not how far this is going to go. It's just going to be like like whatever more often earlier and with more people, and your relationships as a whole will be better. Or at the very least, you'll like filter out the ones that aren't going to work for you anyway sooner. Totally, absolutely, yeah. And, and there, there's a, um, in my experience, a, I don't know, if preventative is quite quite the right word, but um, something I've noticed is that the the more this process, something like this, gets installed, and the earlier, like the soon, the closer to real time you're able to address tensions or things that need to be cleared the 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 easier it becomes because it hasn't like built up all this extra energy behind it right so like in in good relationship and from my point of view there's like yeah the earlier you can just name it and and work through it using a great process like this um the more it's just going to kind of pass through the system much faster and then 
when that becomes the the culture of the relationship, there's actually, in my experience, much less anxiety or fear about conflict because, oh, we've done this before. Like we know how to move through that. And that's a whole different level of relaxation in a relationship where it's like, actually, wow, we have room for tension and clearing. It doesn't always have to be perfect. And we have this trust that we have a mechanism to move through it, which is a level of relationship that, you know, um, right. That the paradox is by being willing to dive into it, there's this deeper trust and relaxation versus you would think, oh my God, if we're going to be talking about this stuff all the time, it's just going to be constantly like stress and tension. But in my experience, what's possible on the other end is like, uh, yeah, just this deeper relaxing of, oh, and I don't, it, this doesn't have to be perfect. We're allowed to clear things and move through things. And overall, like you said, I think it just, it's like good preventative health. It's like working out it just keeps your system strong and it keeps it healthy and it prevents a lot of other things um, from building up uh, that you then have to have these bigger interventions to deal with. Yes, totally. Yeah. Like it becomes like a, a relational prophylaxis or something like this, for like <laughs> preventing the bad thing. Totally true. Um <laughs> But preach it, dude. That's the promised land. You know, I imagine some people like, sign me up. Let's go. And some people are like, yeah, that's not going to happen. My relationship is just worse or like unique. It's never going to work. I've tried all things. So let's just see. I like your painting where we're going. So now let's sort, let's, let's ease into it to just notice what variables are at play. They would have it be a good idea to do so. So one, are variables just around the person. I've sort of said some of these already. You have an ongoing relationship and you already established a shared context where you have shared purposes, shared goals, shared projects. You're building a home together. You're building a business together. They're on your team. You're building a project together. Those variables all count towards, yeah, you should probably address more and earlier and often with them. So that's one having to do with the relationship. Um, and the other, the other set of variables sort of has to do with the issue. Right, which we haven't talked about as much. The issue is um, if it's kind of recurring. Oh, this is that. That's the thing again. There's that thing again. There's that thing again. Right. Uh, or if you sort of notice some part of you is actively withholding. Like, oh, I could say it, but I'm not gonna. Right. If it's maybe the thing you're bitching about to somebody else about the other person, that's a good sign that there's a thing. Right? Great indicator. Totally. Um, and you know, the other one is like the feeling tone. This is maybe less about the issue, but more kind of in the, you know, some people are kind of feelings first sort of processors. And it's like, well, if you just notice when you like, like think about the person or look over the room across the room at the person or look at their picture on your phone or whatever. And you go, uh, like I had a colleague share with me. <laughs> She said, a friend of mine called me and she was going to have a party. And like, she was like, yeah, so-and-so, you know, our friend, uh-huh. Can you help me figure out how to like tell her about the party so that she will like uninvite herself from coming? And I was like, that, <laughs> like, that's ridiculous, first of all. But these kinds of things sort of come up it's like, Oh, how can I avoid having to encounter that person? Except yeah. 
want to or have to, right? Or this this feeling of like, I'm here we are. Okay, how quickly can I get our interaction over with? Right? Like anything like this is just those are the more feeling tone signs. There's something in there that is totally. weighing down the relationship. Yeah, I, I I would I would maybe name that as like charge. Someone I have charge with, right, of some kind. Not not just in the positive sense, but there's like a or a um that kind of charge. Other places I've noticed this certainly in myself. Uh, I love what you said about like where am I withholding, um, and mm-hmm. the result or the impact of that I often see in in the the more relationship side of things are, are when there's resentments, like when I'm feeling resentful about something. There's often a conversation of clearing that needs to happen, right? And particularly, <laughs> at least with a lot of the guys I work with. Um, you know, resentments we're holding that our partner doesn't even quite know. <laughs> so there's just this kind of tension of resentment, but no one knows really what's going on underneath that. Um, uh, another really strong sign in my mind that, okay, there's, there's something here or yeah, just someone I'm avoiding. Like you said, sometimes ways I dance around interacting with someone or a conversation, uh, cause it's just easier to not go there, uh, so to speak, but that, that still takes, mm-hmm cognitive and emotional energy to avoid, right? That could be available for other things. So that, that right. awareness, it, it almost is kind so of like, crucial. totally, totally. It, it's it almost kind of compounds on itself. Like, Hey, I feel like avoiding this person. And if I was interacting with them, I would be sort of avoiding sort of certain hot t- and that takes effort. And I don't feel like that effort. So now I want to avoid even making that effort. So just like I'm avoiding the work it would take to avoid things. And it's just like, yep. Anytime <laughs> you notice anything that looks like that. <clears throat> my friend Mark uh, did a, had a great metaphor of like a pane of glass. Like if you imagine like a nice polished, clear pane of glass between you and me, I'm looking across at you. It would be almost like the, it's not there. It's like the air. I see you clearly. But if these kind of things, if you imagine an issue is like a smudge or like a, like a bug splat on your windshield or some kind of gunk and it starts filling up the visual field, I will now have to start like, I look like the main, it's like I sort of look at you and what I see is a lot of gunk from past things. In order for me to see the parts of you that I want to see you, I have to kind of like peek around, you know, look around and maybe I only sort of get to see these parts of you and these other parts are just occluded. And it's like that, metaphor i think kind of captures the cumulative effect a little bit of like clearing and it also captures the metaphor like you know we're clearing the air we're clearing this pane of glass let's just wipe that off so i can then see you as you really are today and i don't necessarily relate with you mostly through some past things that happened i love that that is perfect metaphor um i love that and i think that speaks to exactly what i was talking about in terms of the preventative Right. Mm-hmm. As, as someone who sometimes struggles to keep his space organized, right. There's, there's the feeling of like, the more it compounds, then it's like, oh, that's going to take a whole day. I got to like pull everything out and clean it and reorganize it versus like more ongoing. Oh, there's a spec wipe two, three minutes sometimes yeah. just done. And then it's back to that kind of clear, clear space without letting it compound and then feeling like this 
big thing where we got to go in and make space and work through all these, these moments. So I love that image of just like, you know, just clearing those specs, the, the closer you can get to real time, I think the, the more free the system becomes. Yep. Yeah. And I, you know, before we dive in, this is my final one is like, you know, a lot of these are framed in the negative, right? Gunk, weighing it down, blocking the connection and avoiding some of these things sort of feel a little subtler, which is like, um, there's sort of a, a positive thing that you desire or can imagine that feels inhibited, right? It'd be like, maybe we used to have fun like this, but I don't anymore. I used to look forward to being around this person and I, now I feel more neutral or, man, I had imagined that you and me would really have a great time, like whatever, going to the theater and then going out to Denny's and geeking out about the movie afterwards. And we did that. And like, I missed that. Like this idea that some positive potential is being inhibited somewhere is, is, is a little bit, is less of a negative, like, oh, there's a problem to be solved and more of a kind of sense of like, oh, a desired or, or aspirational positivity feels kind of blocked in some way. Yeah, I think that's a great, uh, it's like, um, yeah, limiting what's possible, right? Maybe it's just kind of taking it back to like a neutral space. Whereas we once had a freer, more open type of connection that brought a lot of energy or joy or passion. And now it's kind of just like, oh, and we're just, it's not that there's a crisis, right? There's not like, uh, it's not a make or break red alert, but there's just, there's less, I'm less with this person when I'm with them. And I feel like they're less with me. You know, I think that definitely happens in long-term things sometimes of just kind of a, a move towards flatness um, when we're kind of dancing around these things or haven't even taken the time sometimes for the things that are maybe less, um, less propulsive or extreme to notice that like, oh yeah, I actually do have a little bit of a, a tender thing there from that one time that, you know, it's not like I think about it every time, but it's like, oh, there's just a little bit of something there that because it's there, we're, we're not really hitting that higher, higher possibility. Yep. Yep. Cool. So let's dive in. You ready? Love so, it. So you're going to do it. You're going to like, I'm going to talk to the person. Yeah. So this is a, this is like a pre-step, which is, I think, utterly crucial. It's the number one top bullet point. I think you need to do before you do it, which is. You need to feel inside of yourself, in your mind, in your heart, in your feelings, the idea or the, a possible idea that this is going to become something good for yourself, for the other person, and for the relationship between you. And a lot of times people just skip over this. They sort of hit the boiling point and they're like, I have to do it. So then they just do it. And it's really just kind of like, I, I wasn't thinking about anything good for you. <laughs> Right. I just wanted to feel better. I call this the hot potato approach to the clearing conversation where he's like, this burns here. You have it. And the other person, well, it burns. It's like, yeah, well, I don't, I'm not burning anymore. Goodbye. Right. Like that's usually how it goes. If you're not totally able to imagine that this is going to be good for the both of you. And, you know, sometimes people will really kind of get fussy with me. They'll be like, oh, but, 
but what if the thing that I'm imagining it's good is not what something the other person wants or how it's going to go? And I'm like, that doesn't matter. It's, it's in your imagination and maybe it's going to go completely a different way. The point is that the state of mind or the state of being that you go into when you're like, no, I believe that clearing this up will be good for both of us. That actually affects everything. Your voice tone, your word choice, your orientation, even in the conversation. Before you bring, before you even bring it up, hey, I've got a thing for you, Jason. Right? Like, before you even say those words, you feel it. Totally. I love that. This was one of the things that really stood out to me um, when uh, I first started learning this from you of this extra piece to some extent around intention, you know, as I would call it, or setting, even setting the, the, you know, I talk a lot about in our work, uh, setting the container, right? Like setting the container with which I'm even going to have this container conversation in of just like, okay, why it's, there's, cause there is, it's really easy to go to. I just need to feel clear something off my chest or move this thing or, but to, to just put it in that space of how can this um, be mutually beneficial to both of us? and to our relationship at home mm-hmm. it, overall, which then, you know, it's just so easy for me to go even beyond that. And then when our relationship overall is in a more positive space, like that ripples out, that ripples out to the world in, in such a deep way. Yep. So taking the time to just feel that energy, which, um, right. It, I, I haven't had, had a chance to yet do this since I learned this process, but I can even just feel, how just shifting that internal energy state in myself of like accessing that um, makes it, it, in my mind, like makes it more about the positive connection that could come out of this than the actual root conflict, if that makes sense. It's like, oh, this is cool. I, I could see it actually maybe even generating a little bit of excitement for the process. It's like, well, this isn't something I have to dread. But when that's the outcomes I'm imagining for us, like, wow, I can't wait to have this conversation. Yep, totally. That can be, maybe this is a tall order right away. You know, some people are like, oh my God, really? You just told me to think of a hard thing and now you're telling me to feel good. And I was like, yeah. So sometimes you need to do some preparatory steps. Maybe you got to like, just vent it, journal it out, or go talk to your friend and be like, look, I really want to tap into a positive feeling before I bring it up. Like, I just got to, oh, it's just so irritating. And like, okay, yeah, vent it out. And then be like, okay, oh, I got some headroom. I can go do it. You go do it. Bring it up. Hey, I'm going to just go into examples. Hey, Jason, I've got a thing. It's about a relationship. I really want to share it with you. I imagine something good's going to come out of this between us, but I, I feel like I need to like address something directly with you. Are you game? Right? This is just a clear positioning statement for the conversation before you just go, Hey, Jason, man, that one time, blah, blah, blah. You, you got to put this little, <laughs> little beat in there. And you're like, and you might be like, Oh, like if you heard me say that you might be like, how would that feel? Yeah. Yeah. The, the first way the invitation would feel much more exciting and inviting to me. Yeah. The second way, um, you know, it could be okay. But depending on the context of my life and what I've been feeling with you and what's going on, I may be totally unprepared and feel assaulted. I, I could honestly say, if like, wow, I wasn't ready to have that. I'm not, I, I can't do this right now. Like, and then it become, it actually, I imagine would generate more conflict because then there's conflict now around the clearing of the conflict. 
exactly. Totally. So that little beat is super important. This is the, this is actually the, um, the whole capacity and skill in setting context. Well, which is a whole other thing. I have another article on medium about that called the power of context. And there's a lot of detail there, but you know, sometimes you need to pick things like, well, maybe not now, but when, right. Hey, is this a good time? You're like, Oh, I want to do that. Just not now. Okay, cool. Let's set it up. Like, and if it's a big one or something you might think is serious enough that you're going to need some time, like block out the time. Don't try to like do it in passing. Hey man, just passing by you here in the hallway. I got a thing for you. You know what I'm saying? Like sit down over coffee or something like that type of thing. So let's, yeah. let's move on. Cause I only, I, I want to get the major points. So the next one is you just share the thing and the way you share the thing is this is the idea of owning your experience and being very specific, right? If you can name a moment and if you can phrase your words in such a way that cannot be argued, right? Like use actual feeling words when you're saying feelings. Hey, do you remember that situation? We were standing over there. We were over at that party at so-and-so's house for whatever new year's eve do you remember that oh yes Mm -hmm. and then we said this and you said that do you remember that Uh uh-huh like set it up so there's some concrete moment and then you can share like oh how that affected me in my feeling state things that i started to make up in my mind ideas or beliefs i formed about you or about me or about what was happening that i didn't say and then you know it's been kind of sticking with me and i wasn't sure to make of it that sort of stuff just this is like good nonviolent communication for the listeners or yeah. who's familiar with this, but like, this is key and go, just go right to the bottom line. Boom. This happened. It felt like this. I wish this other thing would have happened. I imagine this was true. I want you to know that. Cool. Own it and be direct. Don't, don't do any of this kind of like, well, I just want to make sure blah, 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 and there's a thing. And I, I want you to know you're a really good friend of mine. Like just once you're in, Hey, I got a thing about our relationship. I want to clear up with you. Just go right. Just say the thing first. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the owning your experience pieces. So I, I, I just can't underline this piece enough of the, you know, b- before you put interpretation on it, just trying to as soberly as possible, describe what happened from your point of view, from what you were seeing, you know, to some extent, I like to think of this as like the, what could you see with a microscope? Or I think you mentioned like with a video camera, right? Like it just, if you were describing, you know, if somebody couldn't see what was happening in in a video and you were just describing it to them. Oh, and then he walked over there, he sat down, this happened. Like, it's just very straightforward before the interpretation, you know, where I think a lot of people go to right away, uh, which can be a problem. And then just sharing your side of the court. So right? When, when you get to that piece around the impact on you and what you were feeling, when you can share it from your side of the court, it's such a game changer, yeah. such a game changer, um, oh, yeah. to oh, have yeah. that capacity. Yep. Totally. So we're going to just blow right past owning your experience. This is actually just to say, takes a lot of sophistication. I have another article on Medium called Owning Your Experience, which describes exactly how to do this and how to do it well. I also recommend Marshall Rosenberg's Nonviolent Communication book if you really want to really deeply get this down. Um, but it makes things go so much better. It, it prevents, it sort of proactively prevents people from going on the offensive or taking, <clears throat> wanting to debate you on what you're saying. 
Because what you want to do is you want to be able to deliver it like, no, this is what happened. And you want them just to hear it. Oh, okay. And if you own your experience, they'll just hear it. Most likely. All right. Second thing. This goes, this brings back the hot potato thing, which is let them share their side of the story. And this is kind of funny. Like this is, um, this is something I would see people do in like clearing conversations in personal development culture. It would be just sort of one way, just like, Hey, I have a thing for you. Blah. And you just got to sit there and go like, uh-huh. I heard you. Okay. Thank you. And it's like, wait, that's it. Like that just creates another thing often. Um, or the other place I see it is an organizational culture where it's just like your boss or whoever, or maybe it's the other way around. It's like, Hey manager, I got to talk to you, but whatever. It's like, I have a thing and it's a feedback thing. You ready? Here's my feedback, blah, 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 blah. And your job is to listen to the feedback and go, okay, thank you for telling me the feedback. Wait, wait, what? No, like this one way thing oftentimes just moves the tension (laughs) around maybe even amplifies it. It doesn't create resolution. It doesn't create the clearing that we're looking for. So you got to invite the other person to share their side of the story. What was that like when that was happening for you when we were at that New Year's Eve party? I'm curious, now that you know what Mo and I'm talking about, I would like to hear how things seemed like from your point of view, from your perspective. Totally. Um, So much... So much here in that, A, you're inviting more, to kind of nerd out, you're inviting more data into the system, right? So you're going to get a clearer shared reality, something we've talked about before when when you can kind of bring in another perspective, you know, and this is kind of the the classic um, Rashomon moment, you know, the, the, the old Kurosawa movie of seeing the same event, but from different perspectives and suddenly the same event is a very different thing each time you see another point of view. And it's like, oh, wow, there's an, I have a more complete picture here. You know, that's a very common filmmaking trope to, to do that. The, the other piece I love about this is that, um, it, you know, that ability to, to be curious about someone else's side of things, um, so to speak, like it puts you in a place of curiosity to, you know, and I'm curious what this was like for you. And that just seems to be, again, energetically so much more of a rich place to be in moments like this, because then it, you know, I can already get a, get a sense of now we're, we're, it's not just this thing that happened to me, but we're kind of re what is the, we're creating this moment together. Like what really was this moment? I have my point of view on it and now I'm inviting you in. So it becomes more than just my thing. Yes, totally. Now you're, you brought up the other one. This is shared reality, right? This is another key bullet point. And, you know, for the shared reality to happen, you need to have both sides of the story. Sometimes you need, if it's an especially tense thing, you need to have a lot of back and forth. Okay. Now I have, okay. That actually, I want to say some more about something else that came up for me listening to you. Oh, here's another thing I didn't say at first. Like these may be the sort of subsidiary points or nuances. Like they start with the big one, but there maybe needs to be back and forth. The other thing is shared reality requires confirmation of understanding, right? I, we may not end up agreeing on everything, although oftentimes what will happen is some of what you say will add data to the picture that has me adjust my own perspective. Okay, now I'm including more that. Okay, that's good to know what motivated you. Oh, right. Like you were having a bad day because of something else entirely. 
okay, right? Like <laughs> you had a fight with your girlfriend or you broke up or something. And that informs me. And then other places it'll be, hey, we just have an important difference in the values that we're operating from. But now I know, oh, you were prioritizing A over B and I was prioritizing B over A. And now I know part of what was going on was we were, you know, I don't have to, I, I might still think, man, I still think it would have been better if you had been prioritizing shit the way I was. And you might be like, well, I think it would have been better if you had been prioritizing it the way that I was. And we can at least agree to disagree, but shared reality has the nature of both sides of the story are there and there's confirmation that is mutual that we both understand where it's overlapping and where it's maybe different. Boom. <laughs> Can't say it any better than that. Yeah. Uh, that, that, that invitation moment of, you know, as you call it, taking turns. So mm -hmm. creating a space for the um, other person to bring in their side of the story a little bit. Um, that alone can totally shift the context, right? Oh, that was a missing piece I wasn't aware of from your experience that yep. you weren't looking at your phone. You, uh, you know, it like just these little things and suddenly like, oh, wow, okay, this wasn't at all what I thought. Um, you know, I think this is maybe, not always, but maybe the part that helps sometimes illuminate our stories and projections and make us realize, oh, I was making an interpretation of something there that wasn't necessarily your experience or what you were doing, right? There was more to reality in that moment than I initially observed. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I think we're coming on, on the home stretch now. So if you, if you do this enough, then you will just simply start to have a feeling like a felt sense that things are different. Like you'll run out of things to say, or the other person will run out of things to say, or it'll be like, Oh man, I'm glad we, you know, people start just saying things, man, I'm glad we cleared that up. Right? Like, yeah, that feels better. Doesn't it? Yeah. And like more connection will be available. It'll be like, Oh man, this is great. You want to come over for dinner or a beer or let's go like, this is fun. Like I feel more available, more possibility. You might also feel like, man, what are we going to do next time this kind of thing happens again? Let's, how would we do that differently in the future? And you, you start maybe thinking out into the future about like how you might do it. Like creativity gets unleashed. Connection starts to happen more. There's a sense that the things have cleared up, that the weight that you were feeling is no longer there. It's sort of been lifted. And these are all signs you've done it, right? And I think people know kind of what I'm talking about if they've ever had a reference experience of one of these things going well. Yeah, just it, it, it's the the images just came to me, uh, you know, tying into some of what I talked about earlier. But you know, it's like how muscle grows. Yeah. You stretch it. There's a little bit of a breakdown, but on the other side of that, there's this surge of like more strength there, more availability, more capacity for what's possible. And that, um, you know, in in the men's work I would do. Uh, we would name this as just more freedom. The system is more free. And when there's more freedom, there's more energy available. There's more creativity. There's more possibility. There's more, way more connection a lot of times. Yeah, man. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of nuance to it. And just to kind of wrap it up, I think, you know, I've, I've gone through some pretty painstaking detail in the, this article I'm working on and, it's not yet published, but we'll make sure that this gets sent out with the link that it's, it's almost like a, 
let's say kind of like a script, you know, or a template where you sort of fill in the blanks with your things. And like a lot of the things I said or everything I said today with you is in there and even more like a nuance and detail of like, like how to really make sure this goes well. And, you know, there's no guarantees that it's going to go well. Like sometimes, like I said, Hey, it feels better at the end, right? Yeah. But there's oftentimes like a dip where it feels worse before it feels better. And sometimes you're kind of scrambling to figure out like, what do I do then? So like I, I kind of go into like pitfalls in there and like how to debug those kinds of things, how to enlist external help, how to take a break if you need to, all these kinds of, of ways of like negotiating when it gets kind of hairy in there. But yeah, those are the, the basic points and repeat it. It's like intention, the invitation, like own your experience go back and forth, taking turns, get shared reality and like, look for the, look for the better feeling at the end. And then you'll know you're done. So useful. <laughs> Just having a structure like this in your toolkit. Mm -hmm. So powerful. And then, you know, having a, a structure like this as part of the culture of a relationship, like, again, uh, like I said, I think becomes even more valuable and, there becomes a shared reality about how we even process things like this in a structure like this when we learn it. And at first, you know, there's the, whenever I learned something like this, right? Like so many of us, there's kind of the unconscious incompetence of like, Oh, I got to like have the paper out and make sure I'm doing it. And, you know, I want to, I want to hit all the steps in the structure, but these things, once they get established, I think in a culture, particularly between, you know, I would say a long-term partnership, um, it becomes much more fluid in my experience of, it might feel like a lot of structure at first because, you know, your article really does have a beautiful depth for if this happens, try this. If this happens, try this. That's like a really great roadmap. I think yep. um, you can relax into because, okay, there is kind of a nice uh, thing to follow here that if you just relax and trust that process, um, doesn't mean it's always going to be sunshine and roses, but I think there's going to be more health in the system no matter what. Yeah. 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 Cool. So, you know, I, I can imagine, you know, if, let me, let me try something we didn't really plan on. Let's see if you, you can do this. Um, what if you were to be a little bit of like the hard nosed journalists kind of like, well, really Porcelli, come on. Like, either critique it or refer back to shit where it just didn't work. Or like if you could channel like the doubters out there who might be listening and maybe we can have a little bit of a talk like about the role that this type of process can play in relationships. And, and maybe then I can do a little bit more meta like, or like a, a defense of the overall paradigm I'm advocating for. What do you think? Um, there's, you, you know, there's definitely a, a piece I could say of like, um, you know, I might be all jazzed up about this, but what if my partner's never done anything like this before? How do I, how do I even, you know, get them into the conversation? They've never heard the word owning your experience or nonviolent communication, right? How, how do I use this with my dad, right? Like, is he really going to, is this process really going to work with someone who's not into personal growth and development, Porcelli? Yes. Okay. That's a great question. Um, I will, I will give you a qualified yes. And I'll also say a qualified no. And I'll explain what I mean by that. I think the, on the no side first, 
for the most kind of involved relationships that I have that I choose business partner, intimate partner, best friends. It's like, I want this to be mutually understood, right? There's almost like an innermost circle that you can't really get into with me unless we were both sort of signed up for basically this type of thing. Yeah. And I recommend that, right? I recommend, you know, that people that are at that level, you kind of work overtime to even be a little bit of an educator and an advocate for these kinds of approaches. Now you're talking about maybe there's somebody you're not sure if you need that with, or you're sort of stuck with somebody like a family of origin relationship. And they're like, they may never even learn no matter how much education or advocacy I do. Will this still work there when I need it? And like, cause part of what I'm advocating for is like, turn the dials up across the board, right? Maybe you can do this more often and more often means maybe with some people who have no friggin' idea what the heck this is. It's like, yeah. So there, I would say, you know, proceed with caution. But I do think you can be a, what I, what I think of as a relational facilitator, right? Not a facilitator like, all right, welcome to the meeting and here's the agenda items. More kind of like, hey, I want to have a conversation with you. I think it's going to be good for us. Would you like to do that, right? And then wait. And they say, sure. Okay, cool. Can we sit down and maybe take some time and do this? Okay. Like you are the person who's taking responsibility for the whole thing. Uh, you know, um, Fred Kaufman in his book, Conscious Business, called this this type of idea taking 200% responsibility. And I think there are limits to taking 200% responsibility, but like it's a good orientation if you're talking about, well, the person doesn't understand this. So let's say, you know, I share my side and they're like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, and then I, I invite, I would also like to hear your side, please, right? That's another one. I own, and let's say they're not owning, you know, um, Marshall Rosenberg calls this giraffe ears. I can have like a, a little translator in my mind where they're, they're saying, well, blah, blah. And then you were just being lame. And I like, I was like, that, and that sucked. And like, this is just the way people are. And like, you know, good friends don't do that. And like, they're just not owning their experience. All right. That's going to be harder for me to hear it. Especially if I'm the person who brought up the tension. Right. But if I'm, if I've maybe even pre-processed, pre-digested, try to imagine the things that they might say and started to think, oh, this person, they were feeling lonely or they were wanting a certain kind of connection that I wasn't available for at that time, right? I can proactively in my mind sort of, you know, disarm the barbs that are like attached, maybe even unconsciously to the words that they're saying. And like, hear the underlying motivation that they had, which is something good. You know, if I can kind of get it down. Okay. So now I'm kind of translating. Now that's a lot of labor, right? This is a lot of labor if the person is unwilling to do it. Totally. But I think you can. And if you do, then people around, you'll, you'll actually start to train people just through osmosis, right? They'll be like, that's interesting. Whenever, whenever Jason brings up a thing, he just seems to like those, those conversations sort of go way better with him than they do with other people. I don't quite get, he's doing something. He asks me to share my side and 
he repeats back what he hears me saying. And like, he seems to be like, I don't know. Like he's not hemming and hawing a lot. He's being very direct. I don't know. He doesn't seem to be angry or aggressive. He seems to actually be welcoming. That usually, man, if, if people brought up shit with me the way Jason does, man, the world would be a better place. You'll sort of be known this way. Anyway, that's my answer. Uh, I, that feels really good. That that also points to, um, you know, another thing you mentioned in your article that I'll just kind of bring up here about, you know, and a process like this, the outcome may be you realize you need to sever or end a relationship or or change it to a more transactional thing, um, which in my experience uh, is a, is always a much clearer and easier decision if I've gone all in on a process like this. Like if I've actually given my best faith, given my best faith effort to clear the air and use a good structure and really bring it and try to work it with someone. And then if I find like, wow, just because of this person's experience and where they're at, they can't, it's just not working in the type of space I want to have um, my relationships filled with then it becomes a different decision to kind of move on from that relationship versus like, well, I kind of just held it all back and I never really told them and I never really tried and I just kind of ended it. Like there's always a little stickiness there for me versus like, oh, okay, the the fact that even using a process like this, we couldn't come to some kind of shared reality. Um, is this somewhere I want to keep putting all this energy in? So I, I just love the idea of like going further in before you get out. Um, you know, is a, is a powerful practice. I think I see in this, even with people who maybe aren't from this culture, so to, so to speak of relational work and, and personal growth and development. Um, but that, you know, like you said, I think there's something, (laughs) there's something, one of the things I've always loved about this type of work and the, um, authentic relating work is, um, even unpracticed people, so to speak, in my experience, they can feel the difference in their nervous system. It's just like a something feels a little more loose and free about the way this thing just happened. Might not be able to describe it, might not have the vocabulary, but there is like an experiential piece. Um, so I, 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 I buy that. I, I like that. Okay. You, you convinced me uh, in terms of, you know, the utility and reality of bringing this to, to people who maybe aren't so much from this world. Yeah. Um, and then can I go just, can I say the the ending thing? Yeah. 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 So just a a quick comment there, you know, a lot of these relational process, I mean, this, this process is one within a framework of relational practices that I teach and it's only one part, but like sometimes people get into the personal growth development culture or the relational practices culture. They love things like NVC or radical honesty and they go, Okay, so then like always stay connected or be more connected or get closer or get more open. And that's always better. It's like I don't teach it that way. I think I think what's more important is that there's a mutual, some degree of mutuality. And if you kind of go in before bouncing out, right, you might go in and be like, actually, you know, you know, sometimes people go like, well, he broke up with me or he broke up with me. I don't really know why, but it was, I didn't want it to end, but he wanted it to end. So I guess I have to accept that because it's right. But if instead you did the thing where it's like, okay, say all the things, look, look, 
this might work out if we can get through this patch here. But I'm letting you know, if we can't, then I'm going to need to reconfigure my relationship with you. And like, totally. you know, and then the person might go, oh, okay. Well, I suppose if that is a blockage for you, then I wouldn't want you to keep trying, right? Don't patronize me or whatever. Like, don't do me any favors. I just didn't know. Oh, well, now you do. So would you want, would you want, oh no, maybe we shouldn't, right? And then like the idea of like a mutual breakup or a mutual recontextualizing where it's like, oh, let's, let's take a few steps back, right? Like, oh, we were having sex. Let's not be having sex. We were living in the same place. Let's not be living in the same place. Let's find a new configuration, which is actually just whatever the relationship actually is evolving into, which could be less, not more. You know? Yeah, that's a great way to put it. Sometimes it could be evolving into less <laughs> or shifting context, right, uh, of, of how it's going to work. Um, but that that feels really good. Um, mm -hmm. And then, you know, my last my last grill is is actually something I know we were both kind of interested in talking about. But, yeah, you know, I am generally curious, like, why this one, man? Like, why use this process versus like, I could, I could go with Imago or five minute relationship repair or like, there's a lot of so-called, you know, processes like uh, this out there. Like, what, is this just another one, man? That you, <laughs> or like, what, what do you, what do you think? Where do you think maybe this one um, has some more complete pieces than, than some other strategies out there for having these types of conversations? Yeah. Thanks for asking that. Yeah. Um, let me just kind of rewind to like share the story. Like when I first encountered the idea of the clearing conversation, it was in a personal growth context where it was just this like unilateral hot potato thing. And I was like, that definitely didn't seem like it was better for the relationship. It definitely stirred things up. Like it gave us something to do at the workshop. It's like, oh, now that person's having feelings. Oh, let's circle them or whatever. It's like, okay, here we go. It's like, that seems like it's like, you can use it as like an ignition if it, if it's the hot potato version. Um, now I, I can share with you like each little component here is meant to make it more workable. And I'll just say before I go to advocate for mine, I'll be like, if you have one that works more power to you, right? Fine. If you are on the same page with somebody about a particular process or approach that works for the both of you, then good. If you're finding like maybe it works most of the time, but some of the time it breaks down, I suggest you look at this one because I, I've aimed for this to be the most like if there was like an encyclopedia entry for this, right? Like a, the definitive reference work, like against which any clearing conversation process can be diagnosed, even like look at this one because I don't think I've missed anything. Like, and that I know that's a bold statement. But this is this is the result of 10 plus years of experimenting and upgrading this and trying it and watching how it fails and all these kinds of things. Um, and I will say some of the bullet points that we did already go over, like intending something good that's mutual before starting is one that is often missing. And I think it's partly what makes it go off. I think the hot potato makes it go off. I think... The not owning your experience oftentimes will make it go off. Um, and, you know, I, if I were to, you know, 
look for the ideal audience for this, I would say something like, hey, if you have a, a linear procedural style of thinking, you're a really rational person, um, this might be for you. Um, also, I would say it's a lot of the technically versions of personal growth and development just sort of, they're almost like impressionistic. Right? They kind of be like, yeah, do that and make sure you don't do that. And then try this other thing. And then, yeah. And then you're done. And you're like, that's cool. Right. But you know, I can think back. <laughs> I maybe have told this to you already. People would, people would tell me some things like I was, I was struggling with women for like all my twenties and people would be like, be yourself, just be yourself. Just be confident. It's going to happen. Eventually you're a great guy. And it'd be like, yeah, not helpful. That is not helpful. Because when I try to be myself, I don't feel confident. When I try to be confident, I don't feel like myself. And I know eventually it's coming, but how long is eventually? Nobody's telling me when. And I hear that I'm a great guy. And if I am such a great guy, where's the person? Right? Like, yeah. yeah. But in there is some version. Like, if I could operationalize, be myself, and be confident both at the same time, all right, I would do it. Right? But like, because I sort of had this late bloomer kind of hyper cognitive linear linguistic way about me to begin with. I went about trying to like, you know, I have a computer science background too. So actually trying to like encode it like, Oh, say it sort of like that and then wait. Okay. Then ask for that and then hear it now check if you understand and then get confirmation, right? Like this kind of way that the protocol it's almost like, you know, like a, an internet work, an internet working computer protocol. Like, Hey, I got data. Okay. You got data. What data is it? Here's the data. Hey, did you get the data? Yes. I got the data. You know, like this kind of like do, 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 do thing. I'm like, this kind of thinking is what's behind the design of this. So especially if you're a person who's like, yeah, I've tried all that relationship and communication advice that I can find. And it still doesn't make any sense to me. Right. Go to this one because this is the. <laughs> at the very least, you'll have like the fully detailed sequencing of a thing that I know works for many people. So that's kind of my sales pitch for the, a specific type of audience. I, I love that. And, you know, to, to give you my own plug um, based on some of my experiences with with a few of the other. What I what I enjoyed about this one is while it is comprehensive. Like, like we said, there are, there are a lot of like checkpoints, um, for if this happens, you can try this. If this happens, can try this. It was not overwhelmingly complex, <laughs> whereas some other styles I've tried before, like the structure itself was confusing. And then there was a, are we doing the structure right? Would start to, um, impact the actual process <laughs> if that makes sense the content of it because then like oh wait but like i have to do th like this was you know like i said it's comprehensive but it, it it's not incredibly um overly complex the steps themselves are, mm. are more like just very simple signal checkpoints like yes yes bing 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 that's some of which you repeat quite a bit yeah. right like to, to really kind of iterate in some sure. extent, but there's not there. I, I was, I, I was very pleased. Let's just say with like, oh, okay, this feels like, this feels like one I could really put into practice without getting too lost in the structure itself. 
that makes sense. Nice. Oh yeah, that's a great plug. I'm I'm grateful that it that it that it landed that way for you. You know, sometimes I do worry because I I have that kind of design style, like the detail oriented ones, that it could then become too complex or too onerous in some way. Um, and and one comment I want to put here, like as a metaphor that I use, is the metaphor of um, the manual transmission, like on a car. Like a a lot of times. A higher gear, I mean, this is how they work, right? Uh, the higher gears go faster and smoother, and you use them when it's like smooth and it's flat or you're going downhill. And then you use the lower gears, there it's more powerful, but it goes slower, right? You get, you're getting more power out of it, but it's like, you know, cranking a lot more there in the engine. And I think the detail version is, is kind of like, hey, if you need to downshift, right? You can, okay, we're in a rough spot, you're going uphill, downshift, go slower. Do more checkpoints, take turns more often, get rigorous with owning your experience, like get more formal. Be like, no, no, let's print it out. It, it didn't work last time. Let's print it out. Let's agree to read it. Yeah. And let's have it there in front of us when we're doing it. Like you can get more anal, I suppose, but it does help. And then once you kind of like get out of the rough spot, and this is this is a, a certain kind of dynamic with all these relational processes, like once you've internalized it. Once you know what flow feels like, what mutuality feels like, oh, I feel authentic. They seem authentic. This seems mutual. We're moving along. Like, oh, yeah. Then it's, it's, it's almost like you can actually start ignoring some of the little steps. You just, no, 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 we're just blown right by this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Right, right. But then notice if it's kind of like, I'm like, yeah, this is feeling good. And the other person's kind of looking at you. Like, oh, we need to slow down again. Like, like let's get back in sync. Right. Yep. And then you can speed back up again. Right. Like it's, it's a little bit like a throttle in that way. I love that. Uh, so much flexibility in that sense and, and uh, um, practicality just in terms of uh, yeah, like that feeling of, I think that's another way to even think about when I talk about the culture of a relationship or the more, when we're doing this more in real time, we don't, we can kind of stay in the higher gear of our relationship, right? We're still kind of moving along and there's a version of this that very easily adapts to like, boom, we're just going to quickly boom, 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 boom. Great. Um, Cause there's not that bigger backlog that takes that lower gear sometimes, uh, with more unprocessed or, or more tensions to, to move through. So this was so awesome, man. And, uh, listeners out there, uh, guys in my programs or listeners beyond, you know, definitely give this one a couple listens, I would suggest to start to internalize this process and stay tuned. Um, you can always come back to the, um, post page and when the article's ready, we're going to, we're going to drop it in here. So you can, you can get the full comprehensive step-by-step process from Michael. And in general, Michael, if people want to, you know, follow you, stay, stay in touch with you, what's, where's the best place for them to um, get connected to you? Yeah. There, well, there's a few places to go, but I want to just point one specific one. I have a new thing. It's called meta relating. It's, uh, it's my own kind of version of these practices in a systematized way. And we're launching our very first training on meta-relating, and it's in October uh, of 2020. And it'd be really cool to see you all there. And if you, if you sort of like the sound of the systematized version, uh, I, I welcome you to join us there.
Hey, hey, there's one more thing I want to say. Sure. Not, not about, cool. I got, not about, I got about five minutes. Sort of, within it. Oh, this, it's quick. Yeah. This is sort of ending right. on maybe a, a note of inspiration or philosophy or something like that. So all of these practices are not oriented around individual selves. They are more oriented around the relationship. The relationship is the thing that's really the central thing. It doesn't mean that individual selves don't exist. And sometimes in authentic relating culture or people who are just sort of valuing authenticity, it becomes this idea of like, I need, I need to be authentically self-expressed. Now you can think whatever you want to about me. You can like me. You can not like me, take me or leave me, but I'm just being me. Right. And that is sometimes good and exciting and adds a spice and a dynamic to relationships but it is not relationally centered. And what I mean by relationally centered is you, you can sort of hear it throughout the whole process we talked about today. The positive intention at the beginning, taking turns, shared reality, the problem with the hot potato, this kind of thing, where it's like, actually, I am framing like what I'm saying and where this is going and what I'm wanting here through the lens of, what do I imagine from my point of view that is beneficial to the relationship? It's almost like the relationship yeah. itself is like a first class entity. And then it doesn't become just about authenticity. It becomes about authenticity and receptivity and mutuality. This idea that like, I don't want to just be fully self-expressed. I want to actually have a sense that our relationship as it exists in your mind and my mind actually has a lot of overlap to it, right? Like it actually, ha like it's a shared story that we're both voluntarily, consensually, actively participating in creating. Like we're writing a story together and it's the story of us and what that relationship is. And if we're mostly in our own heads about what that story is, it's not a shared story. It's like two different versions of a thing. So yeah. these practices are relationally centered in that way. Oh, that feels so that, yeah, I've never quite heard it expressed that eloquently um, as to the, what that does and how that prevents, you know, some of the, the sting or assault, I think sometimes that truly authentic practices can sometimes have when they're not relationally oriented, when, you know, uh, how guys I work with, sometimes we talk about this is, you know, emotional vomit of like, ah, here's all my authenticity. And it was just like, hold, I, I was not ready to receive that right now. And I'm not sure why you just gave that to me. Um, that can sometimes, you know, cause more tension in the relationship. The one party might feel a lot better, <laughs> right? Okay. My, my stomach's feeling better now. That's all out. But overall the, the, the relationship itself, um, can, there can be more, more conflict or tension there. So having a process like this and all the meta relating you're, you're doing being focused on the relationship feels so powerful and so needed to, um, in my mind, take all this work to an even more practical and effective and uh, honestly healing level. Special shout out and thanks to Screaming Witness. For the amazing intro and outro song check them out